Welcome to the Comfortable in Chaos Podcast. Podcast. Strangle your demons and let's go. Y'all need Jesus! and chaos podcast i am your host eric helberg and you know we're like einstein here we have no special talents we're just passionately curious passionately curious about all things pertaining to men how in the hell did we get here and where is it that we want to go it's just edutainment right we want to educate We want some parcels or nuggets that will enable us to be better. And we want to be entertained at the same time. We want to chronicle a little bit of history. We want to bring it back full circle into how it affects our lives. And it gives us a little bit of stability so we can kind of put our hand right here over our eyes, block the sun, look out, gaze, and know how to better go forward. Hmm. The journey of men. Now, okay, okay, wait, let's start with our disclaimer. The opinions of this show are that of a fallen man. They are not to be considered as medical advice. Do not take these as a cure for baldness, um, hair loss, right? Uh, Wart removal and or impotence. And we know that an impotent man is a dangerous man. And we're not just talking about that thing going up and down. What we're talking about is a man who's impotent as a husband, a man who's impotent as a father. He makes life abysmal for those around him. Therefore, we need to get up, no pun intended, and get going. Speaking of impotent men. I talked about Barack Hussein Obama. Moo! Sacred cow. But remember, if you're a Democrat and therefore a donkey, all right, we'll slap you right on the ass if you are an ass. And if you're a bullheaded elephant, we'll ride your ass, meaning a Republican, we'll ride your ass into the deep waters whereby you lose your power especially if you conceive yourself as powerful, and oftentimes they do. All right. So I told you to listen to the last episode intently, and you're like, dang it, Eric, I did. You made a mistake on Barack Obama's biological father. That was just simply Obama Sr., right? Well... We know he was definitely African. He had a Kenyan bloodline. However, when he married Anne Dunham and Barack was born in summer of 61, they divorced in 64. So for three years. Okay, dude studying at University of Hawaii, went on to Harvard, all that good stuff. But how much do you remember from zero to three? Not very much, right? 
you may have some little bit of reminiscing things that come into your mind. So how did he really shape Barack Obama? Well, he didn't. That's why he wrote the uh, the famous book, I believe, Dreams of My Father. All right, I don't want to go off into the weeds on that. So then she remarries Lolo Satoro, who I mentioned, Indonesian, right? And the stepfather comes into the mix. And that's where the world travel begins. All I'm simply saying about President Obama is that I don't think he had, as we say here in the United States, the traditional African-American experience. I venture to say that President Obama is very much akin to me trying to describe that. I don't know. I'm some white guy, I guess. We know I have a Sicilian bloodline. You know from a previous episode, my son did our Ancestry.com, said we're a percentage of black because we have um, African ancestry there too. Ancestry, not ancestry, perhaps. So what are we really? Okay. I would venture to tell you that President Obama and or his mother and father did not have that experience of violence, oppression, and bigotry that we know did exist here in the United States. His was very unique, and he certainly didn't encounter that at one of the most expensive prep schools in America there in Hawaii. And he certainly didn't experience that in the madrasas of Indonesia. And if he was so down with the people as a civil rights attorney on the south side of Chicago, and he wasn't there very long. I mean, his rise to power was meteoric. Wouldn't wouldn't he have been more concerned about his own people, primarily African-Americans killing one another in Chicago, whereby if we put the homicide numbers, not the rest of the index crimes, not the rest of the violent crimes, but the number of deaths in the African-American community in Chicago during his time as president, 2008 to 2012, 2012 to 2016, puts it very much parallel to the number of soldiers. I'm not talking torturously maimed, torturously maimed in their minds, but KIA, deaths on the battlefield in Iraq. That's how many people died in Chicago during those eight years. I never heard Barack Obama talk about it one time. These are his own people where he came from. And this was also a president who said, remember one of my previous episodes? I didn't realize how good I was at killing people. He killed them by the bushel in Pakistan, Yemen, Afghanistan, right? His favorite tactic was the predator drone. He's not adverse to using lethality and destruction. It didn't just kill 
terrorists, right? It killed all kinds of people around him when those hellfires come raining down. But he couldn't do anything for Chicago? Maybe he simply just could not relate to the people of Chicago. Maybe he simply just did not have a heart for the people of Chicago because he was and is different. Okay. Well, we know that he's married to Michelle. We know that they have, I think, two daughters, Sasha and Malik. But then we need to develop the idea that Barack Obama had a baby. Oh, yeah, he gave birth, too. You never heard this? Oh, my goodness, yeah. He actually birthed Joe Biden, a political hack going back further than, hell, some of us have even been alive. But he picked that dude because he knew he could exploit Joe Biden. And he knew that Joe Biden had such a lack of moral compass and was so greedy that if he allowed him to be vice president, oh, Joe boy and his family would dabble in anything and everything, and they have. But then Barack Obama is very, very smart. He knew that old Joe, of course, Joe isn't really functioning any longer, but he was back then, that he could control him like a Manchurian candidate, i.e. blackmail. Let Joe and the family get involved in anything they want to be involved with, and I will use that over them, thereby I can have control over them. Barack Obama is that maniacal. And I would venture to tell you because in a lot of ways I felt the same way. When you don't have a dad, right? Obama Sr.'s out of the picture. He gets adopted by another guy. How was Lolo Satoro going to take care of him when he became president of international relations for the Indonesian government and the Union Oil Company? He wasn't around Barack. So when a boy does not have a dad, he doesn't have an identity. He has to create one. Oftentimes, it makes you very self-serving. You look at the world only through your lens. And that is something Barack Obama is exceptional at. And that is why he became so crafty, sophisticated, and smart. All right, we'll let that sink in. I know many of my listeners are very savvy, highly trained, have keen powers of observation. In fact, there's a multitude of you guys who have had the purpose and or job of closing with and destroying the enemy. Therefore, your senses are very acute. So to my listener, John, in a not too far off place from whereby I record these messages, he knows my environment so closely, he can tell you if I have my fan on or off. Well, I can tell you today, John, it is off. So 
using those descriptives, very, very keen, I would even say sophisticated. And that is what President Obama was, very, very sophisticated. We've heard the term of brilliance used often. I could agree with that. I would say brilliance, though, without empathy, solely focused, and masterful in the art of deception. And recently, we lamented the travesty of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. But we know in 2013, or excuse me, 2012, when his re-election bid was coming up, what happened in Benghazi, Libya? And that's much better documented than even I want to get into here. But what I think is super important, the attacks were already underway on the U.S. diplomatic mission and CIA annex there in Benghazi. But what did President Obama do? He went big pimping with Jay-Z in Las Vegas. He got on a plane. Perhaps he could have done something different. Don't you think so? I think so. Okay, well, that was 2013. Now, remember, he went on national TV and called ISIS, right, the Islamic State, a JV team. You know, Barack Obama's big in basketball, so he knows the delineation between JV, varsity, amateur, pro, but he called ISIS a JV team. And then we started seeing that JV team parade around through the desert and all their Hiluxes and technicals, and it'd be spread out over miles. We have the best Air Force in the world, best Army and Marine attack helicopters, and we didn't do anything about it? Well, I guess... President Obama didn't care about that ISIS JV team either. We could have obliterated all of them every one of those times, but for some reason we chose not to. Remember the whole-scale troop withdrawal from Iraq? 2011, right? Of course, he commented on that in 2012. He ended that deadly war. All right. We've already established he didn't care about ISIS, the JV team. Doesn't care about his own people in Chicago. But did you know in 2014 alone now, look what happened with the withdrawal in Afghanistan. Absolutely horrific. But in the capture of Mosul alone in June of 2014 while President Obama was president. Did you know that ISIS ended up with $500 million? Half a billion dollars that was previously in our custody. Two divisions, two divisions worth of weapons and equipment, including armored Humvees, rockets, ammunition, weapons, mortars. So in a six-month period of time, ISIS, I guess they went from the JV team 
to probably one of the world's most well-funded and best-equipped terroristic armies. Hmm. But if you're good at deception, you can keep things like that hidden. All right. Well, Obama doesn't care if Biden bumbles. Remember, he birthed him. He's just simply a scapegoat. But that bumble, which equates at least a little bit, right, was kept under wraps. All right, I think we've discussed that ad nauseum. And what I will leave that one with is that (laughs) I'm going to go out there, man. Because of the upbringing, the life experience, it's very hard for me to embrace Barack Hussein Obama as America's first black or African-American president. And then we had one long before President Obama. We had President William Jefferson Clinton, Bill Clinton, right? Everyone used to joke he was America's first black president. All right, you've heard me talk about this in a previous episode. And one of our fellow platoon leaders at my last duty station, remember, his brother was part of Governor Clinton's protective detail. And he was charged with moving Governor Clinton around. Now, I don't think because you have a penchant for African-American female prostitutes in North Little Rock that that makes you America's first black president, nor going on the Arsenio Hall show because he's African-American, putting your sunglasses on and playing the saxophone. I know you are a good panderer. You are very good at deceiving people, William Jefferson Clinton. But that also does not make you America's first black president. Okay. We have now slapped those two jackasses. We have moved them to stage left. And now let's get on some of these bullheaded elephants that have moved through our villages and crushed us. Now we're moving to the Republican side, right? Now... Let me just step back down the ladder real quick and mention Lolo Satoro, Barack Obama's stepfather, Union Oil Company, head of foreign relations for the Indonesian government and Union Oil Company in Indonesia. And now let's fast forward to... All these bushes we have been hiding behind. That is what I am now going to develop on the next episode of the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast. I bid you bon voyage, my burgeoning flock. Until next time, like and subscribe to the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast.